Session 11, Programming for Children's Ministries. Session Overview, Programming with Vision. Sunday School Ministry as an Example of Year-Round Ministry. Eventful Ministries During the Year. Learner Objectives. At the end of this session, you should understand how to develop a vision statement that guides programming, appreciate the role Sunday School plays in yearly children's ministry, strategize other supplemental, often eventful, ministries as a part of programming. Introduction. When many Christians think of Sunday, they think of a day of rest, one modeled by God in Genesis. However, children's leaders often find Sunday far from a day of rest. Churches may vary in what they provide in children's ministry. Most churches will at least provide an opportunity for Sunday education or some gathering of children like children's church. Other congregational gatherings, like Sunday nights, may include some activities for the children as well as strategic events that happen on a yearly or bi-yearly basis. The style, location, and progression of these events may vary, but nevertheless require planning. Programming with Vision Children's ministries serve many purposes, including reaching out to unsaved children and families and educating children along their spiritual journey as a part of the local congregation. Most of us arrive in children's ministry with programs in place. Even in the smallest of churches, the congregation possesses some expectations for what should be offered to children. Weekly responsibilities often operate out of a consistent schedule of events. These activities may include a number of differing programs and ministries. Usually these ministries include one or more of the following programs or defined ministries. Sunday School Children's Worship Caravan Children's Quizzing Vacation Bible School Summer Camp Nursery Discipleship Classes Child Care for Adult Events Just when these ministries occur will vary. Yet most leaders find congregations already in a rhythm of times and activities that match the congregation's expectation of ministry. Leaders need to recognize there is nothing particularly sacred about any of these programs except as they are important to children's ministry within the local congregation or beyond, including the district and the general church. No ministry, as a program, appears mandated by Scripture. What Scripture mandates might be best summarized in several passages discussed previously, including the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20, emphasis added. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9, emphasis added. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The partnership between church, represented in the Matthew passage, and the home, represented by the Deuteronomy passage, provides a sacred bond with specific tasks. 
We start our search for purpose with the biblical basis shared by all Christian congregations. How we create our own vision remains up to us in cooperation with our church's mission and structure. We should first be clear about our purpose and mission, and then we can decide how the programs become tools for those tasks. Children's leaders may choose to post a vision statement where it will be visible to them as they plan lessons and programming. Walking through a series of questions will help us to develop a vision statement for our overall program. Asking variations of the questions will help us develop individual mission statements for each specific program. What do we want for children in our church? What do we want for parents in our church? What do we want for volunteers and workers in our church? What do we believe about the relationship between children and God? What do we believe about the relationship between children and the church? Look at the answers. How can we summarize the answers in the shortest possible way? When we develop our overall vision, post the statement where it is visible to everyone. Leaders may also circulate the vision statement to volunteers and parents every time they meet to discuss the children's program. Keeping a vision statement before the congregation increases the probability that the goal of ministry will not be lost among the activities and personal needs of those involved. In addition to the vision statement, we might define some of the basic skills and opportunities children need in order to live out our vision for their lives. The list is long but should include the following. Bible knowledge, discipleship and training in spiritual disciplines, relationships with peers, relationships with supportive adults, time with God, outreach or evangelism, gift development, service opportunities, character development, age-appropriate fun. Ultimately, the list will be fluid, influenced by congregation. Some items are foundational to the Christian faith, and we must not leave these out. This list will become the basis for what we try to bring into our programming. Notice that most of these categories are very broad and some of them overlap. When we think of a specific program, we must determine the primary purpose of the program. Other purposes may take a supportive role. For example, when we consider Sunday school, what should the primary purpose be? Are there other purposes? When we consider quizzing, what should the primary purpose be? Are there other purposes? When we consider children's worship, what should the primary purpose be? Are there other purposes? Maintaining a clear vision helps us to offer a balanced, overall program of ministry to our children and keeps us directed toward our specific targets for particular programs. Sunday School Ministry as an Example of Year-Round Ministry Perhaps the most recognized ministry with children in North America, as well as across the globe, may be the Sunday School. As a major vehicle for Christian education, Sunday School and discipleship ministries reflect a primary congregational strategy. Understanding the history of this movement alongside the basic strategies, both environmental as well as program-oriented, help us to understand how children's ministries serve year-round goals. A Brief History of Sunday School Children's leaders might better understand and appreciate Sunday School by taking a brief look at the history of this ministry. The original purpose of Sunday School was very different than Sunday School today. During the Industrial Revolution, Robert Rakes, a popular newspaper owner, 
became troubled by the number of children who were working in factories without hope of education. He feared these children would become adults who lacked the skills to be productive members of society. With no one guiding their minds and little time for character development, these rowdy little children roamed the streets in mischief on Sundays rather than going to church. Greg's had an idea. What if he could organize schools for them on Sundays? Children could learn to read from the Bible, and God's Word would make a difference in their lives. Thus, he could both educate and train these children in moral character. That would be the purpose of Sunday school. Meanwhile in the United States, Wesleyan missionary Francis Asbury started a Sunday school for slaves. It was illegal to teach slaves to read, but one could teach them the Bible. By the mid-1820s, Sunday school served two purposes— missional empowerment for the underprivileged and poor in America, as well as a tool internationally, and religious instruction for the faithful. As public schools became more accessible to children in North America in the late 19th century, providing reading, math, and other academic skills, Sunday schools began to take on the characteristics of catechism schools and Wesleyan bands in the Methodist tradition. These programs became the religious forming centers for children through the church. Both Sunday schools and public schools institutionalized basic educational processes once considered the tasks of families. Parents began to think teaching children required specialists, something that could be passed off to experts and their programs. Our task today is to re-establish a healthy balance of effective programming and vital partnership with parents in their responsibility for the spiritual formation of their children. Sunday school should provide an age-appropriate presentation of Bible stories, concepts, and life application that ties to the overall work of the church to support the whole family's participation in church. General Environmental Principles for Sunday School Sunday school ministry begins not with programmed content, but with the very structure, the environment that organizes and directs ministry within the community. Depending on the number of students available and the culture, students may be organized in a way that ensures faithful discipleship based on age-level capabilities. The following general list provides possible Sunday school classes. Birth to 11 months, nursery. One to two years, nursery or toddler classes, three to six years, not in first grade, preschool or kindergarten, first and second grade, early elementary, third and fourth grade, middle elementary, fifth and sixth grade, preteen. Each age level works best in a child-friendly classroom or meeting space for optimal learning. Equipment should match the size of the child whenever possible. The colors and decor should be bright and welcoming and create a perception that this environment was designed with these children in mind. Consider decorating with pictures of the children who will attend. Bulletin boards, art, photographs, and other displays should be placed at the children's eye level. Allow children the opportunity to contribute to the displays. Keep displays current so students and parents know materials are planned and purposeful, not just decoration. Having the chalkboards, whiteboards, or newsprint at a child's eye level is a great way to allow the children to be active and involved. Shelving, cabinets, and rolling caddies are helpful to hold supplies, such as books, crafts, drawing materials, and games. The whole environment should be inspected for child safety. 
The nursery. Safety, comfort, and consistency are very important. Parents place their most cherished possession, a gift from God, into our hands for care. Assure parents that every reasonable precaution has been taken to keep their child safe and provide loving comfort. Check the different components of the room for broken toys, loose hinges, and sharp corners. Check the safety of cribs, seats, walkers, changing tables, and toys. Toys should be routinely cleaned with a solution of 1 to 10 bleach and water. Surfaces should be wiped with a disinfectant solution before children arrive, as well as in-between uses by individual children. Each child should have space labeled with his or her name in order to keep diaper bags, blankets, and cups connected with the right child. Another safety feature is a sickness policy for the nursery. Have a rule that if a child has a fever or has been sick during the last 24 hours, he or she should stay with the parents. Most parents will understand that one sick child should not infect and cause the other children to be sick. Comfortable rocking chairs are recommended for workers who will spend lots of time holding and feeding the babies. Platform rockers help to prevent crawling babies' fingers from accidentally getting injured. In the nursery, babies are challenged in developing attachment. Routines and consistent workers can help with the comfort level. If you don't have consistent nursery caregivers, print and display the nursery routines so all workers can follow the same procedures to help children feel secure. Welcome babies with the same routine each time. Do you want workers always to call the baby by name? Do you want the teacher to bend down and look at a child just beginning to sit up or walk in the eye? Specify the actions that are important to the atmosphere you want to create in your nursery. Establish routines. Follow the same procedures for changing time, pickup, and dismissal time. Toddlers. Small tables and chairs are appropriate for snacks, puzzles, and crafts. Pretend play is a big part of this and the next age group. Play kitchens, toy vacuum cleaners, castles, and workbenches are all fun and appropriate. Toddlers maintain an egocentric perspective since they have not matured to a level where they can share their toys. In order to head off confrontations and crying, have plenty of toys available for all the children. Interactions between the teachers and children prove important at this stage. Biblical concepts of love, kindness, sharing, and respect can be incorporated into any activity. Brief stories and finger plays can be introduced, but don't expect toddlers to sit down altogether. Instead, tell the story multiple times during the morning to individual children. Preschoolers. Learning centers and play areas provide appropriate activities for this age group. A learning center is a designated area where children can do a particular activity independently or with an assistant. Learning centers can be specific to the classroom, or they can be a skill-based area that is always set up in your classroom. Lessons need to be active and simple in order to be effective. The average preschool attention span reflects the child's age, so the average attention span of an active three-year-old is three minutes. This principle doesn't mean you need to change activities this often, but you may have to regain the attention of a three-year-old about once every three minutes. This age level is a fun group because they love to ask questions, many of which are not directly related to the topic. Take the lesson and their questions seriously. Be prepared to be interrupted with numerous inquiries. 
Help them draw connections between their questions and the lesson you are teaching. Play is a child's natural language. The most effective preschool teachers make connections from the Bible lesson to the child's play. For example, the story of Esther can be part of the dress-up center with a crown and a scepter. Jacob serves Esau stew in the housekeeping center. The story of Exodus begins with a lively game of leaping frogs or hopping bugs. While rote learning engages the memory, active play develops four areas at once. Social, language, motor skill, and symbolic thinking, creating mental images to stand for things. God's Word engages both our logic and our imaginations. Preschoolers will benefit from acting out the stories of the Bible. Crafts should be carefully matched to the skill level of preschoolers, who may not have developed the fine motor skill or patience to cut, write, control glue, or handle tiny pieces. Think in terms of experiencing processes of art rather than creating masterpieces. Early Elementary Appropriately sized chairs and tables remain necessary for different activities. However, the room should be arranged to leave large open areas for activities such as circle games and dramas. Activity centers with Bible activities and books should be available along with other project areas. Provide picture instructions for more complex projects displayed at learning centers so the children can complete a project independently after you have explained it. Early elementary children are at many different reading levels, so activities should not be totally dependent on reading or writing. The world of early elementary children is expanding beyond the home, so provide activities to help them apply Bible lessons to friends as well as family. Middle elementary Middle elementary children are gaining confidence in themselves and their abilities to do things that make a difference. They are still growing, and sitting still for too long can actually hurt them physically. So, physically active lessons are appropriate. Incorporating music, games, drama, and a variety of methods will help these learners stay enthusiastic. Keep the activities connected to the lesson goals. Middle elementary children know a lot of half-truths. In certain parts of the world, these children receive a lot of exposure to adult content, but they don't know what to do with it. As a result, they are often fearful and confused. On some days, they are ready to be big kids, quote-unquote. At other times, they retreat to the safety of being little. They may use words or humor inappropriately. They think they understand a word, but they use it out of context or without understanding the full implications. Make sure the children really know what you are saying. Don't overreact to what they say. Try to prevent children from being picked on by peers or embarrassed. Because they have a strong sense of justice, treat each child fairly. Be careful with competitive games at this stage. No one feels good as a loser, and the child who consistently lags behind peers at this age is likely to disengage. Though many children are sensitive to the Holy Spirit before this stage, Middle elementary children can make a connection between their sin and their need for a Savior. Provide opportunities for these children to express themselves in prayer and develop a sense of their own ability to communicate with God openly. Preteens Preteens may feel embarrassed to do the children's activities they once enjoyed, but they may not be ready for teen activities. It definitely is an age of transition. Preteens have enough energy to get themselves into trouble when they are bored. 
However, they are able to engage in applying the Bible to areas of their life. Topical studies in areas of their interest are often very effective. When possible, give preteens the opportunity to establish their own age-specific activities outside of class. This applies particularly to activities that make use of their developing gifts for service. Let them plan events and activities. They can begin to develop leadership skills by working with younger children, and they can serve senior citizens effectively. Peer relationships are more and more important to preteens, but they remain very dependent on their families. Provide plenty of activities in which preteens can invite their friends and plan activities that require cooperation and communication with others. Physically, preteens are on the edge of radical changes. Girls are maturing faster than boys. This is often true for preteens' emotional and cognitive growth as well. This causes a lot of self-consciousness for both girls and boys. Sometimes preteens benefit from gender-separated classes or small groups within a preteen department. Preteens who accepted Christ at an earlier age are ready to begin to engage in more serious discipleship. They may be ready to respond to the Holy Spirit's call to sanctification and a life defined by Christ-like love. In some churches, sixth graders are moved to the youth department, usually when the public schools follow that schedule. A preteen department, separate from both the youth and the children, offers a good transitional opportunity for preteens to find their place in the body of Christ without the pressure of trying to keep up with teenagers or being bored by programming geared for younger children. Preteens benefit from the opportunity to see their peers' parents working together with their own parents, sharing similar values and guidelines for family life in context of the Church. These concepts provide a general overview of the important characteristics of each age group. We need to think through each of these developmental areas and create a plan for effectiveness before beginning ministry. We should have our vision statement in hand and stay focused on our goals and purpose. Eventful Ministries During the Year Children's ministries will often employ annual events that require planning, organization, and implementation. Some of these events may be long-standing traditions. Other traditional events may be removed and replaced as our vision directs. Annual events are great for several reasons. They help to structure our year and provide natural times for celebration. Well-planned annual events can be something children look forward to attending. We can build enthusiasm and use these as outreach tools, since the children can anticipate and plan for the events. Many annual events are connected to the church calendar, such as Lent or Advent, or national holidays. There are other annual events, such as Vacation Bible School or Children's Camp, planned according to local or district church calendars. This list of typical annual events is not exhaustive and may include some events that will not be part of your ministry. Harvest Party Back to School Christmas Programs and Outreaches Easter Vacation Bible School Children's Retreat Children's Camp Preteen Camp Children's Crusade or Revival Parents' Seminar Whatever the event, you will need a planning strategy. To prepare for an event, begin by using the five classic journalistic questions. Who will attend the event? How will you get them to attend? What will the participants do? What supplies will be needed? When will the event be held? Check the church calendar for conflicts first. 
Where will the event be? What arrangements must be made to secure and set up the location? Why are we doing this event? Which of our purposes does it address? How will you follow up this event? As we develop tasks for each event, we might also ask the following questions. What do I need to be responsible for? What can I delegate and to whom? What support will be required to ensure success? What extra resources will be required the day of the event? In addition, we may want to develop a timetable to ensure a well-organized and promoted event that will help us accomplish our goals. For example, a larger event may take as much as three months of advanced planning and scheduling. Twelve weeks before the event, go over a checklist of supplies such as food, prizes, crafts, or promotional materials, and decide when to order them. We do not want to wait until the last minute to begin to gather materials because of the stress, confusion, and even the possibility of not getting what we need. At 10 weeks, recruit volunteers and obtain commitments for working on the various areas of the event. From 9 to 7 weeks, encourage the volunteers. Follow up to make sure they are still committed and on track with their preparations. Continue to motivate and share your passion for the event. Six weeks away, gather promotional materials. This may include posters, pictures, letters to parents, church members, and the community, and any other form of promotion. This activity is a critical part of our event. Poor promotion will lead to a poor response. At five weeks, start public promotion. A too early promotion loses its excitement. Wait too late, and people will not have time to prepare and invite others. Now is the time to be very visible. Put your posters, pictures, and advertising in high-traffic areas. Begin making announcements from the pulpit and in classes. Get a notice in the newsletter. Send a letter home to parents. Place pertinent advertisements around town. At two weeks, organize an evening for volunteers to gather together and phone the children on the class attendance rolls. Divide up the names between the volunteers. Start early enough that you will not be calling at bedtime. One week prior to the event, meet with those who have helped with the planning. Review the entire event. Make sure every aspect is covered. Determine if what you need is in place and ready. Five days before the event, ask the pastor to send a letter encouraging children to attend the event. Three days prior, call all volunteers to see if they have any questions. Encourage them and thank them for their work. The day prior to the event, host a short meeting with the volunteers to clarify and solidify the plans. During the day of the event, make sure all volunteers arrive early and have their areas prepared. Take time to pray together. Ask the pastor to pray for the workers and for the event. Then enjoy the activity and the results of everyone's work. Following the event, send thank you cards to all volunteers and helpers. Have a notice in the church's newsletter to recognize the volunteers and thank them for their work. Contact all the visitors who came to the event. Alert the children to weekly opportunities at your church and tell about any special events in the future. As noted, not all events may take this level of preparation and scheduling. However, answering crucial questions in advance and planning the stages of the event increases the effectiveness of ministry programming. Camping Ministry as an Example of Event-Oriented Ministry 
While camp may not be a ministry for which we find ourselves directly responsible, each of us may need to be a participant through counseling, helping to plan, or recruiting children to go to camp. Like all activities, start with a vision and goals and finish with strong programming and management. While some may consider this approach a North American phenomenon, camp ministry is often found in other world regions as well. Camp is very effective in changing hearts and lives. There are several things to keep in mind. More time together happens in one week of camping than many children spend in Sunday school in an entire year. Kids get to see real Christians in action 24-7. They discover how Christians respond under pressure. They find out how Christians have fun. They see people at their best and at their worst. Camp presents the gospel to children on multiple levels through multiple styles in chapel, Bible studies, play, nature, relationships, quiet time for self-reflection, problem-solving, and challenging circumstances. No other venue offers the opportunity to present Christ in so many ways in such a short period of time. Camp may be one of the children's first, long-term, independent experiences. The younger the child, the shorter the camping experience should be. At the first grade level, most children are ready for a one- or two-night experience. Away from home, children are learning what it is like to live what they believe, unmonitored by their parents' watchful eyes. Camps provide children one of their first opportunities to practice more independent decision-making and discover the consequences of their decisions. If they do not treat a friend right, what will happen? If they don't brush their teeth, who will know? Counselors, of course, are there to ensure safety. However, children can put into practice the things they have learned or not put them into practice and discover the consequences for themselves on a limited and safe basis. What makes a good camp experience? The first priority for any camp environment is safety. The facility must meet or exceed state codes for safety and sleeping space regulations. Water, either in the form of swimming pools or natural sources, is often a part of the camp experience. All necessary precautions need to be taken around the clock for water sources and water events. Obviously, different global and local settings possess different forms of natural resources, but the best campsites take advantage of the natural beauty of the region. Connecting with nature is especially important for the Christian camp because there is something about getting outside and close to everything God made that allows us to see God's handiwork and God's love more clearly. Theologians call this approach natural revelation, which means God revealed through nature. The best environment for camping allows God to speak through creation. The best camps provide structured, but not regimented, programming. There should be enough activities planned to accomplish the purposes and help campers engage in the kinds of activities that will be most formative. There should be enough open time that the pace of children's daily lives is broken. If all you do is rush kids from place to place, they might as well be at home. The program should offer choices of activities that allow campers to do what they love best. However, there should be required activities to challenge them to do new things they might never try on their own. The programming should offer lots of opportunity for unique experiences in which kids can experience success. Competition should be used judiciously, so when kids fail, they fail together. When they succeed, 
It's not because of the success of a superstar, but results from teamwork. Some of the activities should allow kids to experience shared embarrassment, which helps to develop the very important skill of confidence in trying the unmanageable. The program should engage in community-building songs, traditions, and daily rituals, but children should never be singled out for a learning experience. Camping is designed to build a learning community, not to teach a child a lesson. The lessons kids learn at camp result from shared experiences. A good camping experience must be child-centered. Staff must be there for children, not for meeting their own agendas. Camp is very draining on the adults involved. Camp administrators need to fulfill the needs of the staff so they can fulfill the needs of the children assigned to their care. Camp counselors know they fulfill their role as counselors when campers want to be near them, when they are available and establish good relationships, when they use compliments and encouragement rather than criticism and sarcasm to motivate campers. In addition, counselors view each day at camp with anticipation, joy, and humor, interacting with campers and knowing names and interests of each child, as well as their reasons for coming to camp. Finally, counselors can take direction from leadership, delegate when needed, use active learning methods, and pray regularly for their campers. Camp researchers tell us that, while children are looking to counselors and adults as role models during camp, they are also looking to each other. Some indicators that demonstrate how children interact with their peers during their time at camp include the following. Bonding with other children. Interacting with children they would not normally spend time with. Learning how other families live. Developing teamwork skills, including trust and appropriate dependence. Developing leadership and team skills. Improvement of communication skills. Working with positive and negative peer pressure. Meeting and making new friends, retaining friendships. Since all these factors are important, we should establish program activities to address each of them. Finally, children's leaders need to recognize that camps need a strong beginning and a great ending. Beginning activities should help children feel safe, capable, and comfortable. Let the children know operating standards, give them a preview of the daily schedule help them know where to get help when they need it, and provide ways to help them get acquainted with their counselors and fellow campers. Ending activities should give children a chance to review, celebrate, extend camp experiences, and nail down a memory. One district children's camp in Oregon allows children who have made a commitment to Christ to plant a wooden stake with their names and the date written on them in their stake garden. Children come back year after year and review their commitments to Christ, reflect on their growth, and remind themselves of their futures. Other traditions, including signing t-shirts or autograph booklets, camp address directories, and a march to the buses through lines of cheering peers, make the end of camp memorable. This overview of camp ministries reminds us that eventful ministry may play a vital part in our children's lives. With planning, we can explore exciting themes, develop curriculum that makes Bible content fun and exciting, choose speakers who bring the gospel to life, and establish games and activities that make for an exciting and meaningful program alongside our yearly planning. Ultimately, vision and planning will provide for a meaningful ministry.
Application 1. Discuss with other leaders their vision for children's ministry, both what that vision is and how it was obtained. 2. Walk through a children's nursery and evaluate the environment based on guidelines in this lesson. 3. Talk with a child who attended a camp ministry, what they enjoyed and where they learned the most. 4. Review the table of contents and identify areas you feel comfortable with and areas you feel challenged to learn more about. Discussion Guide for Mentor and Participant Be prepared to discuss the following with your mentor. 1. What difference does it make for our ministry to have a clear vision? 2. Do most ministers see children's ministry as a partnership between the church and family? Why or why not? 3. How much of our year-long children's ministry remains indebted to the Sunday School approach? 4. How much effort do we give to creating ministry events during the year and evaluating the quality of children's camps if our kids attended? Review your answers with your mentor, then respond to the following. How many responses focus on supporting children, particularly in areas where they are not yet fully self-reliant, and how many answers focus on empowering children? Which of these answers support the goal of living Christ-like relationships? Why? What do we need to add to our list to make our approach more comprehensive, more faithful? Which do we need to add to the role of the children's leader as one who both supports and empowers Christ-like relationships with children?